Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about malevolent mourning and haunted hermits. I'm your host of the evening, Steve Taylor. And tonight, I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Shane Green and Kaylin Kinnebrew are voice talents Nick Goroff and Jonathan West. Now, get your ticket ready, take your seat in our theater of the minds, and brace yourself. It's time to... Turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale of the evening is written by Shane Green and is performed by Nick Goroff. 
A man lost in grief attempts to find a solution to his pain. Unfortunately, his path toward healing isn't exactly beneficial for those closest to him. He uses Halloween as an excuse to play a game, a game with deathly consequences. But it's just a game, right? Right? Either way, he does seem happier in the end. But at what costs? Without further ado, I present to you the Hallowed Man. There's a certain comfort in the cold. Something just feels right about it. Like a primal awakening. Like a sharp and sudden adrenaline rush. The cold slows everything down. Just enough to contrast with what matters. To clarify what is genuinely heat-worthy. The cold is a blank manuscript ready to illustrate my essence. An uncluttered floor waiting for me to choreograph over it. And me, a maestro, is pulling the very melody out of violins. This steel baton of peril at my demand. Some would think it's just a cold chunk of steel. But in my hands, for me, it's unique. Pull the trigger and watch the show. It belonged to my pa. He gave it to me before he passed. It's an old fit special. The kind of gun a banker in the Old West would use. He always was a cowboy at heart. I remember watching just about every Western movie over the weekends we shared. He always pictured himself in the middle of every shootout. He had a thing for theatrics. My pa never rode a horse a day in his life, but he always had his gun. You might as well have worn the cowboy hat and sheriff badge, too. My pa was one of the best. A shiver shoots up my arm, making my shoulder twitch, snapping me out of my delusional state. I don't know if it's the cold autumn air is rolling in or if tonight's plans have me on edge. Either way, as far as my tentative plans go, this gun would surely be enough, but I don't like the feel of it. Besides, I doubt Paul would approve of using his gun like that. Still, I have to figure out something. Tonight must end with a bang. I tuck Paul's gun back in my drawer and lock it away. I stand in front of my dresser with only my shadow keeping me company. A hulking but hollowed silhouette. I stare at my reflection in the mirror and alternate focus between each eye. In my periphery, I see my jaw muscles twitching from the stress and anticipation. My nose is flaring with each breath, and I swear I can see hot air lifting off me with each arrhythmic heartbeat. I need to cool down. My mind is so preoccupied. I regret that I let myself become so worked up over this. I was thinking about my pa tonight. And her. Yes, her. It's all just so much thinking. I could think of myself to death trying to find inspiration. 
I need to be calm. Forget inspiration. Let go of distress. Too many mistakes can happen. Habits are more dependable. And as they say, we are our habits. Well, evidently, my habits need me to be a little colder. A glance out to the street below. The sound of children running outside causes my gaze to drift. It would be easy to guess what day it is by their cheers and screams. They run by in their masks. A skeleton kicks up leaves as the scarecrow chases a headless mummy. It looks like mischief is abundant in this cold autumn air. I run my comb through my hair, looking back into the mirror above the dresser. I try to swallow the anxiety away. There's an unexpected knock at the bedroom door as a little voice beckons to me. It's my son, Tommy. I gave him my pa's name. He doesn't much remind me of Pa, but it's hard to make those types of assessments when they're babies. I open the door and see him standing there. His eyes stare at mine through some amalgamation of a zombie mask with a puffy clown wig. It looks like he fell into a costume pile and came out twisted. That looks awful. And then, an idea sparks in my mind. A funny and deathly idea. A grimace begins to grow on my face. So awfully wonderful! I lay my hand heavily on his shoulder. The idea is still formulating in my head. I see him blankly staring at me. I smile at him. Maybe this night would be a success after all. I swear he could be my clone if he had bluer eyes and darker hair. His hair folds the same way as mine and everything. He's leaner than I ever was. And the darkness, the darkness around the eyes, is missing. He's still young, I suppose. Life hasn't beat him down just yet. He's still optimistic. He always sees the funny side of an ugly situation. I lean closer and whisper into his ear. He smiles with excited delight and scampers away. He may look like me, but he's his mother's child. We're both so good at hiding secrets. Sometimes I suspect she birthed him as a secret to herself. An impartial product to test my manliness. She took my essence through whatever alchemy took place, melted it in her cauldron, stirred in her bewitched ingredients, and made a twisted, mangled version of me in her image. It was all just too ironic. My pride in this life is this mutated version of myself, but... I loathe myself. That wasn't his fault, but still, it will be her undoing. 
I stand back up and catch a long look, thought and deliberation in the mirror before a sickly sweet smell crawls through the open door, interrupting my focus. She has been preparing for our guests all day. I suppose if there is one thing which is good at, it's luring people with indulgent delights. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I stand there for a second before curiosity lures me through the door. The decor is abundant. Apples hang on strings. Fake spider webs and a few real spiderwebs, and skulls in every corner. She laid out candied apples on the table. There are bowls of toffee-covered popcorn, empty-headed pumpkins jeering out of each window with fresh wax waiting to be burned, and apples floating in buckets waiting for the dunking to begin. The house is covered in frightful delight, but still... I'm just not feeling the spirit of it at all. My pa passed two Octobers ago, and I have been mourning him ever since. I want tonight to be about reclaiming October as a celebration of his life. I want tonight to be for him. And I can't wait for these other silly festivities to end. I can't wait to make tonight a night to remember. I see her standing in the kitchen. She half-heartedly smiles in my direction. Talk about being cold. I swear she's playing games with me. Making the house smell so sweet and look so happy. It's all just so fake. Does she not have any idea of the struggle this causes me? The anguish of this time of year and the stress of planning this evening, coupled with her apparent disdain for my affections, overwhelming. And all she can do is coat everything in sugar like it's a remedy. Lately, she's been avoiding me too. It's like some sort of spell. 
She manages to be in every other room than the room I occupy. Frankly, I'm sick of it. Enough of her games. I'm going to play a game of my own. See how she likes it. I see her in a black dress, a hat as pointy as her nose, stirring her cauldron. I cut into her path. Ooh, hey. Let me try that punch. She begrudgingly writes my name on a party cup and holds the spoon toward me. I dip my cup into the punch ball, gulp it down, and fill it again, never losing her gaze. A familiar rosy ring is around her top lip. Already into her brew, I see. I guess even a witch needs help getting into the holiday spirit. I'm hoping she found it somewhere in that bottle. Suppose we all have our crux. But it's not worth arguing over. Not now. Not today. She tries to ignore me and scuttles back to her work. After a moment of me standing there slowly, menacingly sipping my drink, she mumbles something about needing to light the pumpkins. I toss my cup into the trash after downing the second serving. She rushes away from me and into the living room to ignite the pumpkins' mocking smiles. I gotta smoke a bit before everyone gets here to relax a bit. Oh, hey, let me grab that lighter. I grabbed the lighter from her, not breaking character. I try to hold back my smirk and feel my dimples showing. She says she needs to check that the walkway is clear, and she tries to rush through me. I already did that, dearie. She hurries past me anyways and scrambles into the bathroom, locking the door behind her. I stand outside the door, laughing to myself. I won the game and beat the witch. She sits there until I am finished with my smoke. I get bored and start back upstairs, whistling in victory. After a moment, I hear the handle rattle. She makes sure to spray away any sign I was there with some overly sweet scent and hurriedly returns to her party, prepping like a mouse, returning to her mousely duties once the cat exits the alleyway. I swear I love her. I just can't stand her in the slightest. It's always a game with her. She's a good enough mother and does keep the neighbors spellbound in our favor. But all I want to do is be together, to be one. And she just wants me to be gone. That wouldn't hurt her at all, though. It would be as numb as the indecision that led us to this point. I need her to feel and be invested. She needs to feel how I have felt this entire time. I have suffered alone with no support from her. I can't just give in and leave. She has to share in my pain. Maybe we can heal together. We can be happy again. This bow tie is tighter than I remember. The buttons on my suit are a bit snugger than they used to be. An overstuffed secret agent is still cool, 
I guess. I do feel a specific power having a secret of my own. I hear a mouse scamper in the hall. Tommy appears in front of me. Best undead clown costume I have ever seen. He asks me how he looks. Like a dead joke. Perfect for the role. My horrible pun charms him. I bend down to hold him. My eyes begin to well up. I feel an inexplicable rush of pity. I have not made the most of my time with him. And I know I'm running thin on favor with him. I can't let that happen any longer. I've been too focused on and confined by crushing love for his mother. And she has done nothing but twist him against my influence. I feel like she has stolen my love from him. But no more. I know what's coming. I smile at him, hug him, and tell him to help his mother. I stand back up, brush myself off, and try to shake away any doubt. She has her secrets, but she doesn't know what I know. There is a passion in me that is slowly breaking free. And now, everyone, especially her, will feel it tonight. Tonight is the night I reclaim my domain. There is a flurry of rings at the door. I look out rate room and see Tommy there, anxious to meet the first arrivals. They open the door with the usual gestures. They do all the small nuances that seem lost to me. I'm not much for entertaining people, exactly. It doesn't come naturally to me. I walk to the top of the stairs. My wife didn't look up. She probably wouldn't notice me if she did. The children cheer and wave as I come down. I wave back, eager to get through this charade. Soon enough, the party will be over. With efficiency, I took the party right out of her hands. I led the kids through musical chairs, pinned the tail on a black cat, a horror-themed telephone game, and every other horrible game she conjured up. I let them destroy every sweet concoction she set up for them. They will probably get ill from the amount of sugar I enticed them to eat. I did everything to get to this point without hesitation. It feels like my moment is nearing. I am the ringmaster of this evening, and the kids are surely riled up. I think the time is now. The time is here. It's time for the finale. Time to tell my secret. Darkness is closing in. Say... Who's ready for a real fright? I flick the lights off. Now the only light comes from the faces of the pumpkins and the flashlight in my hand. I laugh and whisper, Follow me. I tiptoe toward the basement door, into the zombie pit. The parents chuckle, the kids squeal. She sighs with agitation, never one to indulge. I hold a flashlight at the top of the stairs, ushering them down. The children enter one by one into the darkness. 
My light doesn't help much. The children still run into the undead-themed props I've placed in the staircase. Each time they let out a scream, I hiss and shout at them, urging them to keep moving. This is terrifyingly splendid. The parents continue to chuckle and enter after the children. I have to coax some. The rest go in willingly with some nervous laughter. Well, except her. She went, but only begrudgingly so. She has no idea of the secret I have planned. Perhaps she should move with some urgency. Tommy and I stand at the top. He smiles up at me in his undead clown face. I see a hint of darkness showing in his eyes. Maybe he is like me. He wanted to see it all. To be last. Well, shall we? He nods. I grab his hand and lead him down the stairs with the flashlight in front. Together as one, into the cold, dark basement. I enter the room. Everybody is nervously waiting. The flashlight reflects off of all of the pupils that stare back at it. After some time, I turn the flashlight off, and the responding screams bounce against the cold basement walls. Now, stay quiet. The rest of the evening will take place in the dark. It's so... cold. I hear a child scamper under the basement stairs. Lowly mist crescendos to a light rain tapping against the basement windows. The smell of the damp cement and the howl of the cold autumn night set the perfect atmosphere for this moment. Everyone settles into the darkness. Did you know that we used to keep a zombie down here? It's true. Things got out of hand, though. We had to end his residency. The zombie's dead now. The kids gasp. And here's the knife that took his life. I pass the knife to the line of kids. With chuckles and cries, they pass it along themselves. From me to the end, to her, the blade makes its way. I guess she wanted to be as far from me as possible. No surprise there. He meant us harm, and here is his arm. Some little brat pipes up, claiming that he knows this is all fake. Hush! Don't spoil the fun. Took a lot of cuts, but here is his guts. The items are being passed around like hot potatoes. The children are all too eager to be frightened. The zombie was cut apart, and this is her heart. From hand to hand, scream after scream, the items pass around. Six or seven of them move through the crowd now. It's time. The zombie is dead, and as proof, here is its head. As I pass it off to the first child, they nearly drop it. It was a bit heavier than the rest. You could hear a particularly startled reaction regain their grip on it. How splendid. She must think that was Tommy screaming. 
She speaks out to comfort him. He didn't say anything in response. But I know he's not afraid. Not anymore. The passing. The screams. It's perfect. The cool October wind battles against the windows. The rain flows heavily. In disgust, one boy says that it feels like natural skin and swears it has eyes. Some other kid gasps as the heads are passed to them. I hear her call out to Tommy again. Nothing. She tries again with more emphasis in her voice. He doesn't answer. The items are still being circled. She asks for the lights to be turned back on. No! No, don't turn them on. Don't turn on the lights. We're almost done. Just a bit longer. The items continue to be passed down the line. The last item makes its way to her. The room falls quiet. A flicker of lightning fills the room for a moment. She loses it and lets out a visceral response, to which the entire room freezes in response. The wind blows harshly against the house, rattling the windows. The smell of apples and pumpkins swirls in the air, mixing harshly with the dense smell of this cold, wet basement. She yells, demanding to see her son. Some kid runs upstairs, We hear him shouting around in the dark, trying to find Tommy. He won't find him there. She still doesn't understand just exactly what she's holding. I grow impatient. I aim the flashlight down at her and turn it on. Everyone is shocked. Our guests grab their children to shield them from the horror. Many of them leave. I hold the flashlight on her and what she holds in her lap. She looks into her hands, shaking. She's holding a small head with a zombie mask and a puffy clown wig in her hands. Her same light hair, her same almost blue eyes. The face blankly stares back at her. She is frozen. I laugh feeling my cheeks dimple up again. I did it. She feels the pain. Now, I can fix my marriage, and we will never forget October fondly. In Paul's honor. I watch everyone flee up the stairs. I catch a set of dark eyes watching from under them. As it turns out, zombie clowns have dimples too. Laughter is the best medicine, if it doesn't kill you first. I hope you enjoyed The Hallowed Man, as written by Shane Green and voiced by Nick Goroff. Voice actor and 2016 Evil Idol champion Nick Goroff's talents can be found on our very own Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, as well as on past episodes of the Simply Scary podcast. You can also join Nick on his YouTube channel, Wizard of Cause.
Our second tale of the evening comes to us from author Kaylin Kennebrew and is performed by Jonathan West. Now, without further ado, I present to you, Fodder. Fodder by Kaylin Kinnebrew. It's hard to say when my last meaningful human interaction was. The last time I shared a warm embrace with a loved one, laughed at a joke, or just shot a quick smile towards a stranger. But right now, I'd give absolutely anything to see another person. Anybody. Hell, I'd even settle for my deadbeat of an ex-wife who so graciously let me keep the house after she ran off with her boss last year without so much as a goodbye. Anybody would be better than those things outside my door. But when I think about it, maybe I deserve this. You wouldn't exactly call me a model citizen. In all actuality, I'm the complete opposite. I've never helped the homeless, never walked an old lady across the street, and I jumped at every chance I got to look down on others. I always thought there would be more time to change in case I, for whatever reason, wanted to get let into those pearly gates, if you believe in that sort of thing. But after last year, it only fueled the hatred that I garnered toward humanity for so long. Even so, they can't be any worse than what awaits me right outside that door. It all started on the most ironic day for something like this to actually happen. A Thursday, to be exact. October 31st. Halloween. God, I hate the holidays. From the trick-or-treaters to the hooligans who somehow think it's funny to throw toilet paper all over someone's house. Every year, like clockwork, the kids dress up in their costumes and ring the doorbell with their grubby little hands all stuck out. They're asking for a reward that they did nothing to deserve, and all because of some stupid holiday. So, I settled into my favorite armchair and my nightly routine of a glass of whiskey in front of the TV, where I eagerly awaited the blissful release of a good night's sleep. It was about 7 p.m. and my consciousness began to fade. The dim blue light and serene sounds from the TV slowly putting me to sleep like a lullaby. That and the whiskey, of course. Right before I drifted off, I caught snatches of a report on the news that sounded a little strange. We have confirmed sightings in 15 major cities along the East Coast. And just like that, I was out. I awoke in a panic sometime later to the most annoying sound known to man. That loud, piercing alarm coming from the TV. It startled me so bad that I didn't have time to notice the bottle of whiskey I'd left on the edge of the table next to me and kicked it over with a loud smash. Damn it. Piece of crap TV. I muttered as I got up and stumbled to grab the remote that had somehow made its way across the room. I, I must have kicked it away when I woke up flailing. As I scrambled to obtain the key that would release me from this shrieking hell, the sound from the TV reached an ear-busting crescendo as I became more cognitive, making my trek for the remote effectively unbearable. I slammed my finger into the power button, finally shutting the TV off. The whiskey bottle was a broken mess. The glass was strewn across the floor like pieces from a puzzle. I stood there, blinking and trying to get my bearings after being so rudely woken up, willing my heartbeat to finally slow. It was clear I needed a new bottle of whiskey. Luckily, I had some spares in the basement. I didn't even bother to clean up the mess. I'd have to get it in the morning when I could muster up more energy to care. Right then, 
I was more focused on the lingering ringing in my ears and the splitting headache that was currently making it impossible to string together a sensible thought. 9.37 p.m. Time forbid. I headed up the stairs, pausing just long enough to get a look at the clock on the microwave as I passed the kitchen. Perfect. It was late enough that I figured maybe if I shut off all the lights in the living room, the trick-or-treaters would think I was already asleep, or just not at home. I kept my car parked in the garage with the door closed, so it was usually pretty hard to tell if anyone was even home at all, unless there were lights on in the house. Whatever, I like my privacy. I shut off all the lights and headed up the stairs on heavy feet. Seeing my bed felt like seeing a savior right when I needed it the most and there was nothing I wanted more than a good night's sleep. As I lay down, I couldn't help but shake the feeling that something wasn't... just wasn't quite right. I could only guess that the damn TV did a number on me because I hadn't even noticed how silent it was. Every other year on Halloween, when I tried to go to bed early, it was impossible because of all the noise. But there were no sounds of kids laughing and screaming outside. No moms yelling at them to get out of the street. No dogs were barking, not even any crickets chirping. Just a searing, deafening silence. A silence that pressed in all around me and made me feel like I would go insane. It was almost malicious. Any hopes I had for sleep quickly diminished and I sat up in my bed and looked around, taking a mental survey of my surroundings. My bedroom seemed the same. The clothes I left strewn on the floor were still there, and the closet door was closed just as I'd left it. But there was usually a glow from outside, a comforting light that I'd come to expect night in and night out that had apparently betrayed me. The streetlights were out. I didn't particularly think that this was odd, just different. But still, you know, I couldn't ignore that feeling in the pit of my stomach. Hard to explain it exactly, but I knew something was off about tonight. I got up and walked over to the window. Let me set the scene a little here. My bedroom window faces the main road. I can see everything. People coming, people going. I can see the old bench under the streetlight and anyone who decides to sit on that bench, whether they were engrossed in conversation with their significant other or just stopping to take a quick rest and reprieve from the heat of the day. I can see it all. Even without the glow from the streetlight, I could tell where the bench should be. I focused my eyes still burning from the bright blue light of the TV, in that direction. I couldn't see much, just to, just an outline. It was way too dark to make up much more than that, but someone was definitely sitting on that bench. Maybe not exactly sitting, more like slouching, hunched over to one side in a way that almost made them seem inhuman. I could see the moon trying to force its way through the thick, dark clouds. That was my chance to get a closer look at the shadowy figure. What I saw will probably haunt my dreams forever. I wouldn't even classify it as a body anymore. They were devoid of all life. Any substance they, they might have previously had seemed to have completely drained from their body. All that was left was a wrinkly mess of skin and hair in the shape of what was once a living, breathing thing, gone ashy gray in the moonlight. I recoiled in horror. I, I wanted to scream, but the sight of it, it took my breath away. My heart felt like it would jump out of my chest and my blood ran cold as ice through my veins. Who could have done something so terrible to that poor soul? Or an even more horrific thought, what had done something so terrible? 
Suddenly, I, I remembered what I'd heard of a breaking news broadcast from a few hours earlier when I'd been on the edge of sleep. We have confirmed sightings in 15 major cities along the East Coast. Authorities are urging people to stay in their homes. If you see one, do not try to engage it. Just what did they mean by it? I slowly backed away from the window, my body in full flight or fight mode. My, my, my phone? I stumbled, lips feeling as numb as the rest of me. I, I, I need to get to my phone. My cell phone wasn't exactly something I had on my person at all times. I couldn't remember where I last had it. I don't get many phone calls, save for the random bill collector or telemarketers trying to ruin my day. Yeah, I never really took an interest in social media and I don't text. Like I said, I like my privacy. But... maybe... my ex-wife tried to contact me. Was she in trouble? What about my neighbors next door? A family I was always too busy to, to take the time to get to know. Were they still alive? Yeah, I can remember one sunny summer evening when they'd come over to introduce themselves. I'm Mark, and this is my wife Carla, and our two kids, Josefina and Antonio. I couldn't have cared less what any of their names were. They were all just the, the, the same to me. More people that I would now have to avoid having any form of contact with. Here's my number in case of an emergency, neighbor. At the time, I'd scoffed at the idea that any crime other than the occasional jaywalker would ever happen in this godforsaken town. How I wish that were true now. But if I could get to my phone, I could call the authorities. They would know what to do. I swung the bedroom door open and ran down the stairs, skipping two, sometimes three at a time. I was pretty sure it was sitting on the table where I usually left it when I couldn't be bothered. I rounded the corner into the living room, and there it was. At least something was going my way for once. Of course, when I reached for it, I accidentally knocked the remote on the floor, and the TV flared to life again, the ear-piercing sound of the alert filling the room again. I hate this TV, I grumbled. This time, I took the batteries out of the remote and threw them across the room. That ought to do it. I unlocked my phone, only to be disappointed by the sight that I was all too familiar with by now. No messages from loved ones asking if I was okay, and no news report giving us more instructions on what to do either. <sighs> and worst of all, no service. At that moment, I realized just how alone I really was. Crude thoughts of nobody coming to check on me began to creep into my mind. You know, <laughs> and who would even care enough to, you know? I treated people like crap all of my life and now, now I was gonna pay for it. I stood there, wallowing in self-pity for a second when I became faced with a new realization. I wasn't alone. Maybe it was the noise and the light from the TV that had kept me from noticing before that the front door, just a few feet away from me, was cracked and creaking slowly open. The moonlight casting its glow ever so softly through that very portal barely illuminated the dark figure which stood in between. I froze, my eyes squinting to make out the shape. Maybe it was the police, or Mark, coming to check on me. Maybe it was my ex-wife, or, or maybe that bum from last week who I told to get a job and stop begging. Stranger things have happened. But, in the back of my mind, I knew this couldn't be the case. Nobody was coming to rescue me because nobody cared. And the more the door opened, the more ridiculous those thoughts became. Soon enough, I could see the full extent of my unknown guest. Tall, 
almost too tall to be human, with long, lanky limbs and an equally long torso. I could almost feel the anger emanating from its body, like it was engulfed in pure hatred. I was getting a distinct feeling that it wanted to harm me. It wanted to kill, to rip me to shreds with every fiber of its being. It was the predator and I was its catch. Its head twitched and jerked from side to side, almost like it was listening. Had it even seen me? It wasn't advancing on me, so it didn't know my exact location. Without the light from the TV, it was hard to know anyone was even home. It, it, it knew I was there, but it just didn't know where. I remained frozen in place, mind racing, heart beating so hard now that I was almost certain it would give away my position. The creature took a few steps into my house and I was hit with an idea. I needed to throw it off my trail. I looked down at the now useless piece of technology that I held so tightly in my hand, my cell phone. I needed to put some distance between me and that creature and it was now or never. I threw the cell phone as hard as I could in the opposite direction from where I planned on running. Before I could turn tail and flee, I heard the most bone-chilling sound a man could ever hear in his lifetime. A deep and guttural shriek rang out with nothing but malice in the sound of it. It was clearly furious, its mouth unnaturally wide, almost like a snake before it devours an egg, let out a growl that would even make Satan himself quiver. The creature bolted toward the source of the sound. That was my chance. I ran just as fast up the stairs. I couldn't go outside. I couldn't take the chance that there were more waiting to ambush me once I set one foot into the moonlight. My only hope was to lock myself in my bedroom and pray they wouldn't be able to break down the door. I chanced to glance behind me in time to see the creature do a complete 180. It was coming for me. I knew it. Tears of dread and fear streamed down my cheeks as I tried my best not to trip and fall on the stairs. I just have to make it to my room. As quickly as I thought that though, my fears became a reality. As I tripped on one of the batteries I threw so haphazardly from the remote. I lost my footing as I ran and I began to trip up the stairs. I was damn near crawling as I dove into my room and my hands hit the floor so hard that my wrist started to burn. My pain was interrupted by the thud 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 of the creature's heavy footfalls as it climbed up the stairs after me. I quickly turned over and kicked the door closed, not a moment too soon. I stood up and braced my shoulder against the door, using all my strength to keep whatever that thing was from breaking in until I could turn the lock, praying it would be enough to keep it out. The creature was just inches from my face, separated by flimsy wood. It began pounding on the door, low, wailing grunts coming from its mouth. It wanted in and it wanted in bad. And then, all of a sudden, there was silence. It all ended almost as quickly as it began, and it's been that way for the last four hours now. I have a gut feeling that it's still standing right outside my door, just waiting for me to give in and open the door, waiting to end my life, to suck out my insides and move on to the next. Nothing more than human fodder for whatever it is. I'm writing this for anyone who comes looking for me. As hopeless as that sounds, I want them to know that I didn't die without a fight. I want them to know that I gave a damn. And if I make it out of this alive, I promise to do all I can to change 
and treat people with kindness, with respect, because we are more than just food. I don't know where these things came from, but I've seen what they can do to a person, and I do know one thing. I'm going to do all I can to stay in this room until help arrives. Because just outside that door, that is certain death. I hope you enjoyed Fodder, as written by Kaylin Kennebrew and performed by Jonathan West. Now, our weekly Descent into the Depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host, Steve Taylor. And it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.